Good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Today is a very good Sunday. As you probably walked in the door, you probably saw a lot of people talking and gathered together, talking about small groups that are starting up here at Crosstown for this semester. And you say, well, what is, what's that all about? It's the idea that um, when Jesus communicated truths, we find out in the gospel that he moved around real well. He knew how to use the space. You know, uh, have you ever met somebody that, that uses spaces real well? And, and so Jesus was somebody that he would communicate some truths in a big space. For instance, feeding 5,000, he did the Beatitudes. And he told them these grand, lofty narratives about human experience and about God and his love. And, and, and it, to 5,000 people who communicated truths. But then he would talk to uh, maybe a group of about... 50 at the wedding feast of Canaan, and he would communicate truth in that environment. And they were different kind, the same truth, but broken down in a, in a different kind of way. And then there we would talk with the disciples. There would be times when he would talk to somebody like Nicodemus, and he would have a conversation like, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. And he, had, he released this truth in this personal interaction conversation, meaning this, is that there is a limit to what I can communicate on a Sunday morning. That this is a space where truths are communicated, but there are some truths that are communicated better in other spaces. And so small groups represent one of those spaces where truths can be broken down and understood on a more intimate level than in a general kind of sense. So let me encourage you. We've got all kinds of groups back there. I've got, I'm doing a group this year, uh, this semester uh, called uh, Boomer Bust. And it's for baby boomers. Anybody born um, 1964, and if you're older than that, that's finding your second wind as a baby boomer. But we got groups as well for women, for men, for students, for college students, for motorcycle drivers, uh, for drug dealers. Uh, we've, got, we've got, it's all there. Um, so let me encourage you that these are spaces to grow in your relationship with God and to get to know him more. Then the second thing about this Sunday is the fact that the NFL is, is here and it's happening. And yeah, yeah, yeah. How, anybody watch that game yesterday between Alabama and Texas? Uh, Alabama fans, where are you? I've got, that was, uh, yeah, to be proud, it's okay. That was a tough game. That was a tough game. But, uh, and then there was that intramural game between Clemson and CSU. And that was, uh, you know, that was an interesting game. And especially when CSU was winning like 14 to nothing, that was, that was interesting. But uh, yeah, good, CSU graduate. Good to have you here. Be proud, be proud. Um, so we're also into a series called Lit. And you're wondering what, what's Lit about, and it's not your first thought. It, it's the idea of bringing the light of God to your life in the daily, in the ordinary, in the liturgy of life. And we'll talk about what liturgy means because most of us don't know what that means. But most of us are facing constant challenge. That you go through your daily routine, you go through your life in a chaotic pace, things are just happening, they're just clicking off for every one of you. If you're, especially if you're a, a parent of a, a young person right now, getting them to school, getting them up, getting them into the van, getting them to the school, you know, and, and if you're a school teacher and you have kids, that's like the worst, okay? I mean, you're, you don't have a life. But all of us go through this stuff, uh, whether it's the challenges of technology, where we end up our lives, yet we're functioning. And some of you are functioning at a very high level, but yet you're scattered, um, you're, you're hurried in life, you're, you're reactive as opposed to proactive, you're you're exhausted and it seems like it just started, or you're harassed. I mean, that there's things in your life that just harass you and that kind of defines what your life is like. So this series is about establishing some sort of rule of life, um, some sort of uh, framework, uh, an intentional conscious plan to keep God in fulfillment in the center of everything that we do. Because we're gonna do a lot of stuff but whether or not we keep God in the center of it, that will be the challenge because for a lot of us, life looks more like um, managed mayhem. Have you ever been there where it's just like, it's just managed mayhem? It's just like it's 
just going to break loose. Like your marriage is like, yeah, you're together, you love each other, but it's kind of like you argue a certain amount and then you, you fight and then you make up and then, and, but it's like a managed mayhem or raising kids. Like you're raising them and you're the mom and dad and you're bringing them up, but, and they call it parenthood, but it seems a little bit more frayed than that, especially as they get older. So we're talking about establishing a, a framework for life to kind of bring the intentionality back. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians wrote to a bunch of Christians because this is not about whether or not you're saved or not. This is about if you're going to flourish or not. So he's writing this to people who already know Jesus. But just because you know Jesus doesn't mean your life is going to flourish. I wish it did. I just wish that once you prayed the sinner's prayer, that all of a sudden, you know, it just worked out. But the Apostle Paul's talking to a, a group of followers of Jesus, and he says this. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk. And this careful is not the anxiety careful, how we use it, but it's meaning being introspective, evaluating what you're doing. Think out your steps of your day, not as unwise, but as the wise, making the most of your time. I mean, time's going to flow the way that it is. And, and I like time and, I, I, you know, how black holes affect time. I, I know you're thinking a lot about that and how it affects when you get the gravitational force on time and the expansion of the universe and all that other stuff. Time is going to operate the way that it's going to operate unless our planet flies off from the sun and we're, we're influenced by a greater uh, gravitational force. It's going, you're, you've got the time that you're going to get. So the apostle is like, hey, you need to make more time. Like, no, you need to redeem the time. You need to think about how you're using your time, how you're going throughout your day. Not foolishly, not uh, chaotically, not in some structure of mayhem, but rather wisely putting it together with the wisdom of God, understanding God's will about marriage, about parenting, about, about waking up, about, about how you do breakfast, how you um, do dinners together as a family, how you do bedtime. And, and, and I know you're thinking like, wow, that's, that's some interesting things that God wants to speak about. But we are going through the habits of life, and a lot of us aren't really giving too much thought to it. We're just doing it. We're just going with the flow with this managed sense of um, uh, mayhem. But God wants to help us build trellises. And trellises, you probably have one in your backyard or you've been to a wedding recently that had a trellis. See, plants in the Charleston area are going to grow. They're just going to grow. You don't, you don't have to have a green thumb in Charleston. All you just just flick it out there, and, and the thing's going to grow. And then you're going to find out there's like five more things growing that you didn't flick. And they just, they're growing too. And you're going to what that is. And then they'll just kind of like bushify. They'll just go like, it'll be just kind of like this giant bush. And all of a sudden you're, you're out there, you know, on that yellow plastic's flying off the edge of the weed whipper. And so what you need is a trellis. And a trellis is a structure that you provide, that you build in order for life to grow, to be managed. Not only for it to grow, but that it can get to the point where it becomes a beautification, where life happens, where marriage doesn't just, I mean, because some of you are in a marriage and it's just like growth. It's a growth of um, some moments of intimacy, some moments of bitterness, some moments of anger, some moments of arguing, some moments uh, in, in a kayak, some moments, whatever. I mean, there are all these moments, but for a lot of us, we don't have an intentional structure of how we're going to live our lives in order to grow it up into something beautiful. I'll give you a perfect example. Let's test it right now. Don't raise your hands, guys. But how many of you men here have a five-year plan for your marriage? Where you want it to be in five years? Now, if I asked you um, when you're going to sell your boat or what your financial portfolio looks like, where you plan on being in your career, um, or where you plan on living in five years, you may be able to articulate that. 
But I, like most men, if you ask me what my five-year intentional plan to grow my marriage into something beautiful, ah, I thought just good marriages happen. No, good marriages don't just happen. There's a trellis system. There is a framework for making a marriage something beautiful. And so we're going to be talking about this, and there's a word that, that's used to define what this trellis is. It's the word liturgy. It is, liturgy is that pattern of living that we repeat over and over again that follow the pattern of God's wisdom and his love. That's what liturgy is, is that we figure out God's wisdom, his love, and then we, we live in liturgy, this pattern of living life. Things that they're like, we already have habits. I mean, we all have habits. We all um, have a habit of eating. We have a habit of working out or not working out. We have a habit of how we can't conflict with people. I mean, we, we, we have a habit of how we respond to people. We have a habit uh, of so many things in our lives. But liturgy is when we decide that we're going to create patterns of habits that reflect the wisdom and the love of God. And so we're talking about developing this liturgy in ordinary life. So today we're going to be talking about and creating liturgy, spiritual habit, in something as basic as waking. Waking up. Um, and I know a lot of you are like, well, this, what's so spiritual about waking up? But waking up is something that we all do. We're in a habit of doing it. And you have a habit when you wake up. Um, most of us do. We, we have a habit, and we execute that habit on how we get out the door in the morning, and you, you go through that whole routine. And you think it's the best habit to have because that's the one you're repeating, but maybe you haven't checked to see if there's any evidence that it really is the best habit in the morning. And so we wake up, and, you know, we all do it, and we just kind of, somehow we get out of bed, somehow we get to the sink, and somehow we end up dressed and we come, and, and that's a habit that we already have. So the great thing about today is that you've already got a habit. What we're going to be talking about is, is there intentionality in the habits that you have about how you wake up in the morning? So I love mornings for a couple of reasons. And I know some of you are going to just roll your eyes at me because like it's uh, so self-evident, but... Uh, one of the things I like it is the end of the night. Go ahead and write that down. Like, what is he, honey, Ma? He said it's the end of the night. Oh, he's a smart whippersnapper, isn't he? It's the end of the night. I didn't know that. But no, there is, there is something about the pattern of mourning that there's an end to darkness. I like knowing that there are rhythms where darkness ends. That's, a, that's something special the morning offers, is that you've come out of this darkness, and for me, that means waking up at two, waking up at three, waking up at four, and I don't even have an infant in the house. That's just what I do because I'm the age that I am. Waking up, and it's kind of like I cannot wait until the morning comes and the darkness ends, but there's something about it. It's the end of night. Also, and again, this is brilliant, Write this one down. It only happens once a day. It really does. No, I know you think, that, well, that's ridiculous. It's like, no, it's not. The sun comes up, especially in Charleston, about 10 o'clock. It's like boring all the way till four. I mean, the sun's just up there, a ball of burning gas. I mean, it's just like up there, and it's baking, 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 baking. The light, isn't that funny? In the morning, the light has yellows in it. It has reds in it. It's, you know, because of refraction on the uh, horizon and things like that and, and the going, light going through the atmosphere. And, but, but by 10 o'clock, it's white. It's, it's just bright. It's not even color anymore. It's just up there. You know, just following you everywhere you go. You know, no, I'm, like, I'm not psycho. But uh, no, that doesn't prove I'm not psycho, but I'm just saying I'm not psycho. That sounds psycho. So, but this whole idea of the, once it's up there, it's up there. But in the morning, it's like there's yellows and reds and there's all these colors. And, there's, and this is not repeating itself during the day. I mean, because you're going to get into your routine. But this, and so it's like God has offered us a moment 
where something unique happens. And for me, it is the telling of a repeating story of redemption. No matter how bad you messed up the day before, no matter what happened the day before, when you open your eyes and you're, you put your feet out and the sun's beginning to crack through and, and it just tells you this day is new, it's fresh. I have a new opportunity. Mornings are, to me, are the greatest. And by the time 10 o'clock comes around, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's like the day's wasted. You know, it's just gonna be the rest of the day. But the mornings remind me of the redemptive work of God. It also, it has uh, the light that changes the appearance of everything that you see. Uh, you know, like with little kids, they can have the, their, their favorite toys and they can stack their toys up, their favorite unicorn, their favorite you know, uh, ball and toy, whatever it is, helicopter. And, and it's funny, in the light of the day, things can kind of make sense, you know? It's like, that could be my favorite, that's my toy. But all of a sudden, when, you, when it goes into nighttime, and a little child wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning, that pile of familiar is not so familiar anymore. And all of a sudden, the imagination kicks in, and, and things that were ordinary, and things that should be fun, and should be, you know, a great part of life, all of a sudden become scary and difficult. And, and that's going to lead into what we're talking about is because the power of the light of Christ in our lives, that even when we're walking in darkness, things begin to get scary. Marriage gets scary. Parenting gets scary. Things going on in your head get scary. Life in general gets scary. But when the light of God and the light of his wisdom and his love is, is worked into our lives, then we begin to see things as they really are. And that happens when the sun comes up. Also, the morning is, has the power of alignment. Um, it's how, in the morning, I align my story of the day. That's how, I mean, it happens in the morning. I'm not a big bowler. Uh, not that bowling's not a, uh, a fun activity, but I just never was a big bowler. So I did a little research about bowling, and, and I don't know if you're into bowling, but from the line that you release the ball at all the way to the pins, is anybody want to shout out how many feet? Bowlers, this is your moment. You only get one moment every 10 years. This is it. Yeah, it's 60 feet from that line all the way to the other end. And what the thing is, is that you're, you're there with your ball, you know, and you got your fancy gloves and your little armband thing like that, you know, and it's got Bluetooth that controls your arm this way and this way and all that stuff. I'm not making fun of boulders, but, I, but it's got all that. And so you're looking at it and you look at the ball and you look at the pins and then, and then you take like one, two, three, and then boom. And your arm extends about two feet forward. And in that two feet, you have determined what that ball is going to do. You don't get to course correct that ball. It's going. And in that two feet, you've made your alignment and you've made your release and you've made your spin. And so someplace about 20 feet, all of a sudden that ball's like going forward but rotating at the same time. And it looks like, wow, that's so weird. But it's like kind of like going sideways like this while it's going down the thing. And you've already predetermined that. And then all of a sudden it curves and it goes right down the center and takes out that number or whatever pin that is and it hits it like from the side and, and everything goes crazy. See, in the morning, you make your alignment. Um, and in the morning, you're determining what your impact is going to be 60 feet later. You know, it's hard. I'm not saying impossible with the Holy Spirit, everything's possible. But you know, it's hard to change your attitude at 1 p.m., you're at work, you've already said a few snarky things, somebody has said something to you, you're ticked, they're ticked. It's hard to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the ball up again and I'm gonna make another throw. Usually we've released the ball to our spouse, our children, we've said what we said and then we've left the day to spin and determined to make an impact. The problem is, is most of us are just letting mornings happen and we're throwing gutter balls. 
They're just going in the gutter. I don't know why it's going in the gutter. I don't know why my marriage isn't working. I'm not sure why my kids aren't, you know, normal. I'm not sure why this is happening in my life. It's like, it's because in the morning is when you make your alignment. It's when you decide what your impact is going to be. Because as soon as you release that ball, the spins are already in operation. So I see the mornings as I think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to say this every thing I'm going to say over the next couple of weeks. I think the mornings are like the most powerful time of the morning. I'll say the afternoons in about two weeks. I'll say the nights in about five weeks. So I, I'm just going to keep constantly say that. But it, it is a powerful moment to determine what kind of day and impact you're going to have. Um, it's, and the most important thing I find about the morning is that every one of us wakes up to a story. Um, things that we see in our lives. And every one of us, when you open your eyes, you are waking up to a story. And there's a bunch of different stories. There's paying the bills story. There's the, uh, uh, you know, that pain in my back story. There's the story about the relation, the argument that you had the night before. There's the story about what you think about yourself. And there's the story about how the kids are having problems with uh, algebra at school. There's all these stories when you open your eyes and all these stories are there ready to play out. And in the morning, you have the power of embracing the right story. I'm not saying those other stories aren't real. Is that it's right off the bat, aligning yourself, getting a hold of the right story before you go any farther. Most of us lose that story. What is that story? That God absolutely loves us and is working everything out for our good. But most of us, we're getting, what is the number one goal of the morning? Getting out the door on time. For some of us, that's it. That's our five-year vision plan for mornings. It's all about getting the kids out. It's all about getting to school. It's all about getting to work and to do it on time. And we lose the story when we wake up of God loves us and is working everything out for our good. We lose it in our work. We lose it in our pain. We lose it in our self-loathing. And we do all this in the morning. We lose it in the wash of thoughts and anxieties of the night. I mean, you're having all kinds of weird dreams. I mean, aren't you? I'm having real weird ones. I had a dream the other, last night. I hate to say it. I had a dream last night. I'm kissing my wife. And then it turns into my brother. And I'm like, what's up with that? I mean, he's got a beard for crying out loud. I mean, what kind of Freudian freak is going on in my head? You know, and it's just like, what is going on with that? But, you know, we're spending all night in bed and we're having all these crazy thoughts that are washing over our heads, thoughts about ourselves in the middle of the night, waking up at four o'clock, thinking about all this stuff. And then we wake up in the morning and give no thought to it other than we take all that and we head out the door because we got to get there on time. And we walk out with the wrong story. We haven't embraced the right story. You know, there's a lot of great routines to get your body and your brain ready for the day. And I'm not, you know, that's not what this series is about. But I did look at one. I have, I have, there's this superhero neuroscience guy in the guy of Stanford named Dr. Andrew uh, Huberman. And he's kind of a big podcaster guy. And he's got some really cool neuroscience stuff that's being thrown out there. And um, so he's got this stuff about how to make your brain work and how to get all the endorphins and serotonin and all that stuff to work. And so he's worked out this neuroscience and some tricks about how to start your morning. So I looked up his plan on what he does in the morning and I kind of laid it out there for you. Well, here's, here's his plan about a great routine. Um, wake up early. Okay, so he, he's there, wake up early. Then as soon as you wake up, get exposure to natural light within the first hour. So you got to get up and you got to get outside and you got to get into sun, sunlight for about 10 minutes, okay? And that there's something about the sunlight. Now you can use fake light, but he recommends if, you, if it's a cloudy day that you get a matchbox and light a, light a, 
a match and then burn it in front of you and allow the natural light to hit you. you know, of course, you've got to blow it out and light another match and, and, and try not to burn yourself. But apparently something about natural light helps your brain. And, the, and it's real. This, this isn't, I'm not talking about some crazy Ouija board stuff here. I'm talking about real, genuine neuroscience. Then the next thing is you've got to hydrate. Um, and what the hydration does is it stimulates communication between your gut brain and your brain brain. And apparently we have two brains in our guts. My gut does most of my thinking for me. But uh, we have this, and so you connect it by drinking, by hydrating. Um, and so uh, one of the guys asked me, is, does Miller Lite qualify? Uh, I'm like, if you're drinking Miller Lite at 6 a.m. in the morning, we might have a different problem. But uh, so, so you get up early, you got yourself some light. I'm guessing you can probably drink the water while you're getting your light. And then there's 10 minutes of meditation. It doesn't really say what to meditate on, but just 10 minutes of just meditating. Then after you're finished meditating, stretch. A little stretching routine, that's good. Then exercise. And what he recommends is that you incorporate a high-intensity interval training, the HIT program, and so you get about 20 minutes of that in. Okay, sounding like a good morning, isn't it? Yeah, all, you know, um, so obviously this guy doesn't have kids because, the, I, but then you eat a healthy breakfast after you've worked out and you've gotten your natural sunlight and, um, and then after your breakfast, you gotta do what's called cold exposure. And you are then supposed to jump into a cold shower um, or a cold pool of water some people actually will put ice in a bucket or something, and you've got to submerge yourself and just get like, you know, and apparently it like does some enjoy. Folks, let me just tell you, this stuff works. I mean, I'm not making this up. This is good neuroscience, and it really works. Um, then he, the next thing is uh, after you get out of the water and you um, uh, warm up a little bit, you journal. Um, just write some nice things. And then... Um, then set and review your goals for the day. Um, and somebody said that this program's called Kiss the Sun. I mean, it's like, that's absolutely wonderful. Personally, I look at this and I look at people like that and I want them to die, okay? <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest with you. I wanted to show a video. I was looking for a video of somebody doing all this and saying, bye, honey, and then walking out and then getting hit by a bus. You know, it's like, it's just like, I hate these people. Who's got time to do stuff like this? I'm telling you, it is a routine that does work. And if you can pull this off, great. But here's the thing. But even if you can, it doesn't mean you're heading out the door with the right story. It just means you're right, heading out the door with a clear head. It doesn't mean that you're walking out the door with a directed heart. So we put so much pressure on routines like this to make me have a great day when that, no, that's not what's going to make a great day. It's being a part of the right story. So we need to retell ourselves every morning uh, and those living with us, our children, our spouse, uh, living with us, our friends and family, that um, we need to tell ourselves the true stories. What are the true stories? What is the, what is the most important story? Or is the only story you're listening to the story of your failures every morning? Or your boss? Or your back pain? Or your loneliness? Um, or are you listening to the story of your heavenly father? Um, so I want you to consider the spirituality of waking. It's a really important thing. Um, I have found that when we wake up, and this, this phrase, I love it, we try to locate ourselves. We try to locate, just think about when you wake up, all of a sudden you wake up, you know, and you probably remember where you are. Um, but then you, you, your brain starts scanning. Your soul starts scanning. Like, okay, am I happy? Am I sad? Do I hate myself? Do I hate the person laying next to me? Um, is, do I have a good life? Do I have a bad life? What did I do last night? Um, oh, that's right. I'm angry at her. We're not talking. Don't touch her. She's there right next to you in the bed. 
It's like, oh, it's like, don't touch. Okay. And you, you will scan the morning to try to locate yourself, to kind of find out where am I at? What am I going to do today? How am I feeling today? How am I thinking about myself today? Or what have I done? And sometimes we get the story wrong or focus on the wrong story. We'll wake up and we will grab the wrong story. For instance, if you wake up and grab your phone and check your emails first, you are grabbing the story of performance. Just know it, that's your story. It's all about performance. If that's the first thing you wake up and grab your phone and you're like going through your emails, then, then know this, that your, your best story, as far as you're concerned, is your performance at work. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is just go graze through social media, then it is possible that your most important story is comparing yourself to other people's misery or success. Or you're in search of affirmation of other people. Or you're envying other people or you're living a story of judgment against other people. But you've determined that your best story involves the anonymous life of other humans, that you don't have enough of a story, you've got to go looking for somebody else's. Just a challenge, but a lot of us will wake up and the first thing we're doing is looking at Facebook. Or maybe you're a, a, you know, kind of a tough guy, baby boomer type, you know, and you're kind of like, you know, old codgety guy. I know what those are like. You know, you're not even out of bed yet and you've grabbed the remote and you turn on Fox News, you know, or CNN headlines. And you just lay there for a few minutes and you just watch stupid roll in front of you. And what is that all about? I don't know, it's about, it's about uh, uh, having a life that's all about fear. And because if you watch some of it and you find out something bad's happened in the world, if you woke up today, you found out that over 2,000 people died in Morocco. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that's the first thing you're, you're thinking, wow, you know, Charleston's on a fault line. You know, we haven't had an earthquake here in a while. And all of a sudden, you're all about grabbing. Or maybe that's not it. Maybe the first news that comes up is Joe Biden falls down Air Force One staircase, okay? And if you're a Republican and you're laughing your butt off, the old coot doesn't know what he's doing. And if you're a Democrat, you're like, God save the king. You know, it's like, please help this man. But, you know, and so you're either angry or ticked, or whatever. But that was your first thing that you, and you walk out the door, and that's your story. Um, Maybe you wake up in the morning, your job is, you're just like trying to get everybody out. You wanna get the kids there on time, you wanna get, you wanna get there on time, you wanna get him or her out the door in time, and your story is all about busyness. It's just task, task, task. And all of a sudden, the sun's up, it's 10 o'clock, the ball has been released, the spin is already there, the alignment has either been made or not made, and either you're you're about sometime or about three o'clock, you're either hitting the pin or you're landing that ball in the the gutter. So even though these, these stories are real, they are not the story that we're supposed to be filling our hearts with. Um, and so there are spiritual habits we can use for aligning our mornings with the truest of stories that God loves us and that he's working all things together for good in our lives. See, getting up on time is not the most important thing. I know it sounds like it, but getting up on time to root our hearts and our families and friends in the love of God is. That's why we get up on time. Not to get out the door, but to reroute everybody in the right story. Because we all lose the story. The Bible says that we are jars of clay, we're earthen vessels. We leak the story. We fail, we make mistakes. Then we lay in bed, we dream about it, we, we self-loathe, we have all, we, we're anxious about it all night long. But God wants us to get up so that we can root ourselves our hearts and our families in the right stories. So through liturgy, we prepare ourselves, um, refreshing our lives. So let me just throw out a couple of things about some habits in the morning 
that we could have. Um, uh, we all wake up in the morning and we all turn on the lights, we all pull back the blinds, uh, but there is something more important. There's a, another light that God wants us to bring into it. So what are some of the, some of the habits that we can do? Well, I wanna, I wanna give you a couple of mine. You don't have to do them because I do them, but they do seem to work. And um, also there are others that people have written about. But the first one that I do in the morning is a short kneeling prayer by my bedside. You know, so get up in the morning, the first thing I do, and you know, my phone's right there. I wanna look at it. You know, I wanna see if Tyreek Hill is gonna be inactive in the game today. And if my fantasy team, if I need to pick somebody else up on waivers, but it's like, no, no, no. The first thing you need to do is you need to get out of bed and you just need to kneel down and just, just have a short prayer with God. Say, well, I can't, I can't really bend over. I got a bad back and bad knees. You know what? I know all of us, whenever we drop the remote and it falls underneath the bed, y'all don't care if you have a bad back. You're, you're under there doing the army crawl, trying to get that remote and bringing it back out. We all can, for 10 seconds, get down on one knee. If you can't, no judgment. I do know this, laying on your back in bed probably doesn't get it done because this is what prayer looks like when you're laying in bed. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day and I mean, I go back into that, you know, uh, Chewbacca prayer moment, you know, when all of a sudden I'm just like, it's just, I'm asleep again. And so I'm like, so what I do is I roll my body out and I just do one kind of move, you know, I kind of like collapse down and grab, get my knees on the bed. And, and I just pray a simple prayer like this. Um, I'll invite God into the light of my thoughts. If I've had some bad dreams or bad anxious thoughts, I'll be, Father God, I just pray that you just, I, God, I was just, I was kissing my brother last night in this dream and it was really weird. Please help my wife not grow a beard. And, and I'm just praying, Lord God, that you just help me. <laughs> Not, or, or, or like if, if uh, I'll just ask God for his presence. Like, God, I pray that you would be with me. Or I'll wake up and I'll kneel down. And I'm like, God, I feel like such a failure and such a loser. And I pray, Lord God, that today that I would know that I'm your child and that you would just fill me with, with your love. Or I'll, if I know I've got some really hard tasks, I'll, I'll say, God, this is way over my head, God. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pull off today. I'm gonna need you to give me your Holy Spirit. Real simple prayer, real simple. I do this when Susan's not around because these are my gutsiest, most visceral prayers. My wife don't need to know who I'm kissing that night in a dream, okay? I mean, it's, that's between me and the Lord. And then we're just going to keep it there. Um, and so it's like, those are those moments that I, I give to God. And it's like, God, I suck. I, um, I, I hurt too bad. I, why haven't you fixed me? Why am I, I hate to be me. I, re, I really have, the, and I'll just like, bleh, get that out. And I'll ask God, just, I know I'm your child. I know I'm beloved of you. You love me. I pray that you will work all things for good in my life. And, but that's usually between me and God. Um, it, it may not fix anything. Say, well, is that, do you find that it, every, life just goes great from that point on? No, I don't find that it's great. But I will tell you this, it illuminates me. As I walk in the light, as he is in the light, his spirit, his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness goes with me throughout the whole day. That when all the crap of life happens and things break loose and don't go the way, I have that confidence that I am a child of the Heavenly Father. And no matter how chaotic it is, and it didn't work out the way that I wanted to, and the deal fell apart, it's like, I know he's got me. I know he's got me. And that affects the ball as it's going down the lane. Second thing I do is uh, look to Scripture before I look to my smartphone. Uh, well, this is kind of tough because you may be using your smartphone for scripture. And if that's the case, I recommend that you turn off notifications because it is hard to get to scripture when you just got an ESPN alert. And, uh, and all of a sudden, 
or you got a text message of little Ireland uh, doing in a video of playing with a ball or something that it, my daughter sent to me. And I'm like, wake up and I'm like, oh, honey, did you see the video of Ireland? Yeah, yeah, she just, she just spitting that stuff up again. Oh, that's incredible. You know, it's like, and we'll look, and then we'll get on out and we'll go about our day. So if you're using a phone, turn off notifications and get right to the scripture. It doesn't matter what the medium is. It could be a calendar. It could be just a calendar. Uh, it can be a devotional book. It can be a Bible. <laughs> go figure. It can be a Bible. Um, and, and here's the other thing. <laughs> it's like, is this guy saved? Uh, is, um, is that don't try to read, you know, I'm doing a Bible plan. I'm reading three chapters a day. I'm trying to read the, the Bible through in nine years. And it's like, okay, good plan. Just one scripture. All it takes is one scripture to change the way that the ball goes. Okay? You don't have to have a fancy glove. You don't have to have talc powder. You don't have to have fancy bowling shoes. You just got to put the right spin on it. And what God says about you is the right spin. What God is doing in your life is the right spin. All you need, and I'm not a big Bible reader. Um, I, 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 there's my professional Bible reading. I, I do do that. But then there's my personal Bible reading. And I keep them separate um, because... I don't want to fall out of devotion to God because I have to preach on Sunday morning. You can see how it could go bad. And so, but there's my time where I, and, and all I do is I'll read a little bit and I'll get one verse and I'll shut it and I'll just stop and I'll just think about this. Now, I do recommend if this is what you're doing, if you have this devotion, you do want your spouse and your children to see you. You want them to see this part. You want that, why? Because... There is nothing sexier to a wife or to a spouse than seeing your spouse reading the Word of God. Six-pack abs, they're cool. I get it. You know, uh, looking good, yeah, you know, we, we all want to, but we don't. But there's something that when you see, when you see your dad reading the Word of God, when you see your mom reading the word of God, when you see your husband reading the word of God, you know, there's something about it that's like, okay, I don't get along with him all the time, but I see he, he's looking for wisdom. He's looking for insight. You want your kids, mom. You want your kids, when, they, when they're doing all kinds of crazy things, you want them seeing you with your devotional book. Say, listen, I am... I'm starting right now. Now you can sit down right alongside me and we can read this Bible verse together or I'm gonna need you to just kind of move out. But mommy needs the word of God today. I'm telling you, that's powerful. It lets your kids see what you consider to be the most important story about life. And then when you get that done, you go do what you gotta do. Um, it's about honoring God's story above all other stories. What's the benefit of reading a verse or something? It can, it's like um, you're containing the sea. When I wake up in the morning, I am thinking about everything. I'm thinking about entropy. I'm like, okay, the energy comes from the sun. It goes into the earth. There's the conservation of energy when it goes into the earth. But then when it comes out, entropy happens. It means the same amount of energy comes out of the earth and goes into the universe that came out of the sun and goes into the... But now it's disorganized. It's not as organized the same. That's called entropy. And I'll be thinking about that laying in bed. And it's like, wow, man, it's just going right through me right now. I'm experiencing entropy right now. And then I'll be thinking about... Um, you know, got to rotate the tires, got to think about a relationship I got to work on, got to think. I'll be on a sea of thoughts that will go through my head, let alone the crazy dream about kissing my brother. And so I have all that. And so when I read the word of God, it's like, you know, it kind of calms the sea. In the Bible, the seas or waters, bodies of waters are used two ways. They're either considered chaotic waters that are destructive or they're considered living waters. And what determines the difference is repeated over and over in scripture. Um, and God said, let there be light. Let it be lit. And all of a sudden, it brings order to chaos. And so reading the word of God 
brings an order to the chaos of life. It's where I find my belonging. It's, it's where I begin to gather wisdom. Then there's the third practice, and this is super big, super duper big. Uh, matter of fact, this one got more comments than all the other. It's the practice of a short moment of gathering and sending the family. You can do this as a single also through text messaging and communicating with family this way. But in, in this way is a short moment of gathering and sending the family. This is big. Circling up from a mo- for a moment of prayer is absolutely awesome. It can happen during breakfast. It can happen standing outside the minivan when everybody's getting in. But it's so important. Now, you say, well, that's never going to happen. I have two seven-year-old twin boys and it's like they're kicking each other it's like that's okay that's okay you may they you know and they're holding your hand in the circle and they're pulling you and or you got a 17 year old that doesn't want you to touch them you know it's like it's okay it's okay they don't even they don't they can totally you know or a husband that's rolling his eyes but the the point is this it's like listen i'm not letting you guys go until we have a word of prayer and um it's so important in the morning and just like, and, and it can be real quick. It can be something that, hey, come on, everybody come on in here and pray. I don't want to pray. I, I'm telling you, nobody's going to want to cooperate with this, but do it anyway. Because my kids remember that they used to, me standing at the door when they would pull away from the house, when they would drive to high school and I would be on the door and I told them what I say every time they're driving away, I'll say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in her life as it is in heaven. I, I mean, my kids, every single day, that's what I would do. The thought of my kids just, you know, the idea that uh, you call for one of your kids, hey, Deanna, and then all of a sudden your wife says, or Susan says, oh, she's already left. The thought that somebody would leave my house without my blessing them is, it's like, What? You just kicked the ball down the lane? You just said, hey, good luck with that. Hope you enjoy junior high, you know? I mean, these, I don't care how old they are. I mean, your husband's going out. You know, your wife is going out. Your children are going out. Your friends are going out. Why not text them? Why not have a moment? Why not just like lay your hands on them even if your 17-year-old son thinks you're an idiot, you'd be like, listen, I'm paying your light bill. I'm paying your phone bill. You just do that. You don't even have to say it out loud. Uh, but just like, you know, have a great day in Jesus' name. You know, or just like, dad, you're so weird. Oh yeah, I'm so weird. You're gonna remember when you're 40 that the only person who touched you and prayed to heaven on you was your pop or your mom. I'm telling you, that changes everything. And this is all happening before 9 a.m. My wife, and we got a really cool, we got a cool thing. I hate bragging about it, but we got a great thing. And it didn't happen by accident. We built the trellis. So here's how the morning works. We do our whole routine. And then she, she goes in and she showers and does the, the makeup magic. And then um, she'll get dressed and um, she'll come out. And I can picture it, uh, and she's looking all cool with her hair over, and she's got a little outfit on, and she'll, she'll actually do this. And she'll go, how do I look? And I'll be like, I, and mom just looked at she'll go, how do I look? And I'll be like, you look great. And then she'll go, bless me. <laughs> and she will assume the position of me blessing her. And I will lay my hands on my wife, and I'll be, Father God, I just pray that you be with Susan today. And I pray that in the middle of her work, her nine to five work, that you would just give her a sense of love and belonging and cherishing. To let her know that I love her. To come out of the bathroom and to all of a sudden find out, hey, honey, uh, I checked the location on my iPhone. Oh, she already left. I would just break the heck out of my heart. You know, I had a moment to pray the kingdom of God onto her life. And I, I let them just go so I could sleep longer. It's like, let me just tell you, there'll be a point when they don't come back. Not because they hate you, but just because they just don't come back. 
there'll be time for getting sleep then. But now, in the morning, they need your blessing. So three habits, really easy habits, and they don't, these don't take long. I mean, I'm serious. I, I don't even see five minutes here. I don't even see five minutes. Um, but the idea of just laying your hands on a child, a child, and just blessing them, the idea of getting down and for a moment just saying, God, I, I'm, it was a dark night and I'm living a dark life and I need you to bring those colors back to my life. I need a sunrise, God. I need your mercy. I need redemption, God. And today I know that you love me and I'm your child. I'm telling you, there's power in that prayer. Stopping to just read a scripture, whether it's through an app or a calendar or some sign you stuck on the door or something you bought off of Etsy that was made, whatever it is, that you stop and just bring it into your life. It's one thing to have your head clear for the day. It's another to have your heart aligned for the day. So waking up is a big deal. Every one of us have a morning, but not all of us are waking up to the light of God, to the love of God. Your family needs it, your relationships need it, your mind and your soul need it. Father, thank you so much for your love. Because for some of us, we know of the dark night. And God, it's not just the one that happens between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. It's the dark night of the mind where we remember the crimes that have been committed against us. We remember our self-loathing. We remember our failures. It's in the middle of the night and in our dreams that we remember the things that we should have gotten done, the things that we shouldn't have done. So God, lead us to a better morning. And every day, the redemption story is presented to us 705 when that sun breaks over the tree line you are reminding us that life is more than just the morning it's about waking up with the light of Christ the right story for us yes we got to get out the door and yes we want to be on time but God help us to get out of the get out the door and on time with the right story in our hearts. So as we take the bread and the cup of communion, we are reminding ourselves of the right story. For God so loved us that he gave his only son so that we could be a part of the right story.